the Pro Wrestling Bowl. 35 short stories, including Harley Race, Ricky Morton, Tracy Smothers, and Tim Storm. Along with 300 photos from the independent scene. Taken from Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, and Alabama. Get your book today by going to WrestleVille.com or LanceByChance.com. WrestleVille, it's where wrestling lives. Are you a fan of pro wrestling, comedy, and combat sports? Then we have the podcast for you, because we cover that and much, much more. Do you like to debate with your friends? Do we have the perfect segment for you? It's the 531, where we take any given subject, break it down to a top five. From there, we debate it down to three, and then into that number one spot. If you want to get a hold of us, find us on our social media. Search Working Fans Podcast on any major social media platform. And if you want to find the podcast, search for us on any major podcast platform as well as YouTube. Working Fans Podcast. We put in the work so you don't have to. Fans, welcome back for episode 172 of the Working Fans Podcast. And as always, we are brought to you by the Pro Wrestling Vault, Volume 1, available at wrestleville.com where you can also get his first book lance by chance and all the following books are available on amazon including pot de written by friend of the show kevin Kelton, by blood and fire the unbelievable real life story of wrestling's original chic written by brian r solomon how not to suck at comedy by pat oates matt memories by john arezzi and greg oliver the great people over at Connecticut People Record. And if you're on YouTube and you want to check out another great content form, check out New Heights Wrestling, where the man called Dave and I call some great Florida independent wrestling. Now let me bring in Dave and AJ so they can bring you to today's 531. What's up, you dirty dogs? What's happening? Hey. Talk a little pro wrestling. We got our years here. All right, so we got some lists from you guys on what your favorite years were. Ultimately, we didn't get like a huge ton of responses for this. We're going to talk 1984 because that's one of the years we really wanted to do. But so for those who did give us responses, though, we're going to put a little shout out on you. You're still going to get your years read because that's what we do. So, AJ, I think I have a couple more than you, but uh, why don't you start off with what you got? Sure. I've got Harry Priest from the Mothership Facebook group, and he's got 1992. He's got 1997, 2002. 2004 and then oddly enough he's got 2022 2022 yes also known as 2022 i'm not sure that i would ever put that down the fine year in wrestling yeah i guess if i was a kid right i was younger and this is my year but has there anything as a lifelong fan about this year i mean it's new noteworthy this is one of the most noteworthy years we, vince mcmahon left the wwf finally i mean historically it's going to go down as an um, important year with vince leaving yeah. Triple H taking it for excitement level i can't really think of anything this year that's really just had me going "Ooh, this is great yeah. like wwe's better than a long time it's been that's not saying like <laughs> in, fair, in, in fairness if you take a piece of shit out of the toilet and shine it up really good yeah i don't know so all right well uh, i'll give you a couple lists here i got josh the board all right Gregory schedule hostilities shout out them for big get tony khan tk doing the show happy that happened for those guys aj you're nodding your head like you don't believe that well anyway oh no, i know that's a great get I just hope they got the right Tony Khan. I hope they did too, man. Josh DeBoard, he's got 1905. For some reason, I don't believe this. Uh, Hackenschmidt. Fantastic year for Hackenschmidt. He really put it together that year. Looked phenomenal. 54, 1972, 20, 
I'm sorry, 2000, and then 2021. Josh, I think you... 72 was the year that Ric Flair debuted. 54 was a great year for Gorgeous George. I think that, quite frankly, Josh put together a hell of a list, and I don't Mm -hmm. like the fact that you're not taking it seriously. Yeah, you're right. My bad. Big ups on the Tony Khan get. Albert Bettis, 1989, 1990, 1992, 97, 98. I will say this, just to be, you know, throw something to somebody who did write lists. 92 is a year I look forward to covering because I'm a Bret Hart guy. I'm a Bulldog guy and I'm a Shawn Michaels and I'm a perfect guy and all those guys, although perfect actually stopped in 92 for a bit because yeah, yeah the back there. injury way to celebrate perfect's best year <laughs> he yeah. wasn't that was a great you know yeah, but 92 back is a great injury, year. he's out most of the year he's there with flair it was fantastic Woo, elizabeth was mine <laughs> before she was yours However, you did fail to mention something one of my favorite things from 1992 was the dangerous alliance coming together it was and- and here. for me, that was a great thing. And one of the best war games, quite frankly, of all time was the uh, Dangerous Alliance with the war games. So you WWE sycophants can sov- shove all that other shit up your ass. I liked it. You're actually saying this because I know we didn't do anything about 1992 today. So this is legitimately coming from your fandom here. So tell me what else we got. Let's see. I've got Sonny Martinez from the Mothership Facebook group. He's got 1999. He's got 2002. Mm. He's got 2005. 2006, 2013, and then I don't think he understands the Jake rule because he's putting the Jake rule into effect, but then he's adding two years, 1997, 1998. Interesting. He didn't have 2012 in there, did he? He did not, but he did have 2013, so good for him. Yeah, that had the shield in it too, but it was 10 years ago that the shield yeah, 2012 was the debut actually today that we are taping this, not necessarily when you're watching this, but when we're taping this on November 18th, 2012 is actually the debut of the shield. All right, I got a hot one here. Chuck Winster, Winchester, yeah, old Chucky. He's got 1998, 99, 2001, because he took 2000 off, 2005, and 2006. With right. a name like Chuck Winchester, does he go as the rifleman? I do not know any of that. <laughs> now, I will say, I always look at his name and I always want to say like Worcestershire for some reason, Worcestershire sauce. But I was wondering, 98, that was the year, if I remember correctly, that me and you... We're at Madison Square Garden and saw the Highway to Hell, which was Steve Austin and Undertaker. And yeah, the Highway to Hell was what our ride was to get over there. <laughs> we took an old school bus yeah. and it was uncomfortable for Dave, but I'm about 6'3 mm-hmm. and I didn't really fit into school buses when I was in school. So that was a really comfortable ride all the, uh, for two hours to man, all the way to Madison Square Garden. And you also were sitting with a man who actually outweighed you. <laughs> yes. At the time, he was considerably larger than I was. So it was a very comfortable ride all the way there to uh, yeah. Madison Square Garden. But the best part, if Joe's listening to this too, was uh, on the way home after the long ride, I heard somebody say, wake him up to the bus driver who had fallen asleep while driving us yeah, home. Yeah, that, that, that creates a little bit of excitement. The event was exciting enough, but when you get that nice ride home with the bus driver who was reminiscent of Chris Farley, if you ever saw Chris Farley as the bus driver and whatever the hell that horrible movie was with Adam Sandler, that, it's, it's reminiscent of that. All right, what do we got? Tariq Amin from yeah. the Mothership Facebook group. He's got 1986, which actually was a great year in wrestling. 1987, which was also a wonderful year in wrestling. 1989, 98 and then 
the year 2000. 87, that's uh, Hogan and Andre. That was a great year, WrestleMania 3. 89, if I remember correctly, that's when Hogan won the title back from uh, Randy Savage. Well, yeah, 87 had a lot of things happen. That's the year Andre actually turned on Hogan. It's the year that Danny Davis turned heel. Piper had his retirement match after Adrian Adonis. Iron Sheik and Hacksaw Jim Duggan got caught with cocaine. We had WrestleMania 3 that year, which was huge. And by the way, Bruno San Martino wrestled his last match for the WWE also in 1987. So not a bad year for the WWE. Okay, I'm convinced you did some homework here now. All right, I got So let's not forget, it was a big year for Lex Luger in 1987 as he left the Horsemen and got pushed to the moon going up against Ric Flair. You might remember that great match in Baltimore where he really did that blade job. Yeah, it's fantastic. I got Jimmy Letch. He's got 1989, 92, 97, 98, and 2016. Hmm, 97. That was Sting and Hulk Hogan, I believe. Yeah, 97 was a hot year for wrestling. There was a lot of action, a lot of ratings for both sides. They built up the angle with Sting and Hogan phenomenally. I don't feel like anybody believes the match delivered the way that it should have, but the year on a whole is one of the hottest years in wrestling. Absolutely. All right, what do you got? All right, I've got Eric Grayson, and he's also from the Mothership Facebook group. He's got 1987, 1998, the year 2000, 2002, and 2004. 2004. Can't remember much about 2004. Yeah, I didn't really do a lot of homework on 2004 off the top of my head. I know that that was a good year for Benoit. I know uh, Guerrero would have been picking up steam in that time period. We would have seen Kurt Angle coming into fruition. But other than that, off the top of my head, not much. Uh, I can't think about 2004 too much. I was thinking it's 10 years after 94, which I remember that's when Hogan came to WCW. Yeah, 94, That pretty much the only highlight is Hogan coming to WCW, if you consider that a highlight. <laughs> I got producer Joe hot off his successful tour of... I got nothing. He- <laughs> Try to pop him if he was listening, but I was, he I was watching up. independent wrestling in the foothills of Maine. I believe it uh, was Bear Johnson up against Elk McGee. It was fantastic. The Maine woods. <laughs> Producer one Joe's got, spot, uh, one of the hot spots for the independent circuit. He's got 1985. He's got 1992. So Producer Joe and I would be talking some 92. 2015, which I believe is around the time he got back into wrestling. If I remember my conversations with Joe correctly. 2020, which I would say people put in 2020 down here. It's probably because of the pandemic. Because, I mean, it was interesting. And 2022 this year, which is, again, a very noteworthy year. Yeah, it's definitely a noteworthy year. Nobody's going to doubt that. Anytime you have a year where somebody has done as much for and to wrestling as Vince McMahon has, it's hard not to acknowledge the year. I'm actually going to jump in to defend the 2022 choice because I believe when Randy sent me his list, he said, I know the year's not over, but he included it. And the reason I included it was the interest of Vince McMahon being forced out of wrestling. AEW maybe hitting their first shaky point in the stability of the company while still putting on TV quality matches. The wealth of the independence, GCW stepping up. Like, I'm hard-pressed to actually pick a year that I enjoy. When I was talking to somebody at work about it, I'm like, for me, it's a range of, it's like the mid to late 80s, the early to mid 90s, 2015 because I got back in 2020 because of how interesting the pandemic was 
and what it forced different companies to do to survive. And this year, just basically for the notes. And, and I can completely understand what Joe's saying. I get the noteworthiness. I just think it's hard to fairly judge a year when you're still in it. Well, I think the other thing too is like, he's saying the way he looks at it too, is that like, he has a hard time picking like a favorite year. So he looks at yeah. more narrows. Where me and no, you, I, I get that. Yeah, I the way I think, my brain is I have favorite specific memories and a lot of them are from 84. 92 is a good one. So they're my favorite years. It's easier for me, I guess. Well, I think we have something in habit where uh, in common where a lot of our memories from our childhood and then our teens and our 20s go hand in hand with wrestling. So a lot of times they intertwine and a lot of the wrestling events intertwine with that also. I mean, you could argue 2019 to 2022 was some of my favorite years in pro wrestling. It's when we started the podcast and we're getting interviews and doing some crazy shit. So. Nonetheless, as a fan, we're talking to Randy. My my favorite, uh, well, I'll talk about when I talk about my list. Let's talk about everybody else's list first. Randy Osga, he's got 1992, 1998, 2002, 2010, and 2022. Again, I like that 1998 keeps popping up. That was a hot time. I mean, WrestleMania 14 in Boston comes to mind, too. Oh, no, absolutely. And WrestleMania in Boston for us, once again, is a big memory. So we can definitely understand why you would put that year in there. And quite frankly, it marks the end of us seeing Shawn Michaels for a very long time. So it's definitely a bookmarked year for us. Actually, just to let you finish, you had talked about 2004. That's when Sean came back. No, I knew that. I actually was going to say that for the before, Uh, but I kind of hesitated because I questioned myself. (laughs) Mm-hmm. All right, breaking news, guys. I have three new lists from the Booking the Territory podcast. Oh, shit. Philip J. Figgs said 84 to 89. Craig Norman said 87 to 92. Oh. Joey Wiggins said 82 to 87. And Christian Bodie said 84 to 89. 1986 was the best year in the history of the business. I will die on that. I would almost argue because later on in the show when we cover 1984, there are some big movements going. So I just wanted to bring you those lists. I think one of the problems that we have is that we have a tendency sometimes 84, 85, and 86 kind of blur together. And I think we have a tendency sometimes of not remembering correctly where things go in there. And when we talk about 84 later, I'm not going to dive into anything right now. But when we talk about 84 and we talk about events that just changed the course of wrestling, it's hard to find a bigger year than 1984 out of the 80s, at least. Some could some could argue the mid 90s or the attitude error. But for me, when we talk about 84, you're going to see what we mean. Jake St. John, 87, 92, 93, 95, 96. 87 does have the Hogan-Andre WrestleMania three main event, so you could argue that is the most profitable year possibly in the business. Nonetheless, uh, AJ, how many uh, lists do you have left? I've got two left plus myself. All right, why don't you read the next two? All right, I got Danny Davis's little brother, Brian Davis. I assume that's who that is. He's got 1975, 77. And I know that we sit here and we're going to shake our heads and go, well, you know, 75. (laughs) But we forget that a lot of these territories, like the NWA had all the different territories in that time period. AWA was on fire in the late 70s. You had wrestling from Florida. You had wrestling in California coming from LA. And Portland was all also a hot territory in that time also. So I think sometimes we judge it unfairly. I think the 70s doesn't get enough credit, to be honest with you. And then we have 83, 84, and 85. So all great years. Good job, Ryan. I've got Ryan Damon. He's got 1988, 89, 
90, 98, and 99. Awesome, awesome. And I got Frank Culpepper from Booking the Territory. He's got 72, 73, 74, 78 and 79 so he was a big 70s guy as well i mean i I don't remember much about the 70s obviously i was born in 76 but it's not like i remember i just remember when i look back i think of names like superstar billy graham dusty road would still probably be a big part of the 70s even though we grew up watching dusty we also Uh, got guys like nick bockwinkle ray stevens you've got rowdy piper coming into his own in the late 70s in portland area you've got rick flair coming into his own you've got uh briscoe brothers down in florida coming into their own you have texas really starting to expand its wrestling with joel blanchard's territory and with of course world class so it's a microcosm it's good yeah and let's mention the people who were the real thoroughbreds and who could work around this time period up in the northeast Bruno San Martino, Pedro Morales. All right. Dang, let's not forget about Ivan Putsky. Ivan Koloff. <laughs> Ivan could work, actually. So could Pedro, but you get to that point. Yeah. <laughs> you were being a little biased there. You weren't giving a Northeast any love. <laughs> that, anyway, that could, that I know what you good. mean. Like, here's the problem. So WWE, which I wouldn't say was the biggest promotion in the 70s, though. But, like, when I go back and watch a lot of that old stuff from the 70s from WWF, Shit was boring a lot of times. Anyway. I can't. I hate to say this because people are gonna get upset and we might have riots in the street. But Bruno San Martino, his matches bore me to tears. Yeah, I, I, I had some, there was some fun stuff with Bruno, but there's a lot of matches you could watch and it'd be like the '70s were just a tough time period in general. You like a headlock for like hours, or I don't know what was going on. And back one wasn't much better, and I love Bob. But anyway, so I've got my list left, and I believe we still have your list left. I have a list. list. So, so if you want me to fire mine first, we can. Oh, you know, I'll fire one up because I I forgot to make mine, but I I know my I know my favorite years in pro wrestling. I love. I can tell you right now, eighty four is my favorite year in pro wrestling. Eighty seven because the magnitude of WrestleMania three was just so big. It was something I watched constantly and constantly. I still remember ninety two because when I started to feel a little low in wrestling. Bret Hart brought me back with his matches for the Intercontinental titles. All right. And then I would have to say, honestly, 97, even though Bret ended up with the mantra screwed up, that whole period with the Hart Foundation was just such a hot time. I really loved that time in wrestling. And then I would say, finally, I don't know, for my fifth year, that that one actually is a little tougher for me. I would say, ah, Christ, you know what? Let's go. Let's go. Personal favorite. 2019. We started the podcast. Boom. All right. So. Here's the interesting thing for me. I I always go 1984 just like you do. I love the year of 1984. I think it's a great year of wrestling. I go 1985 also, and the reason why is because it's when the Horsemen started and really came into their own. And I was a huge Horseman fan. So for me, this is one of my favorite times of wrestling. I really enjoy it. I love going up against Magnum TA and Dusty. And mm-hmm. it's just a fun time. You had Nikita Koloff, who was one of my favorites, even though obviously his wrestling skills were not on par with the rest of them. <laughs> and then you got the Road Warriors really coming into their own. So for me, that's a great year. I don't want to cut you. I just want to say one thing, just because you made such a good point and you reminded me of something. What did you talk about the Horsemen? Scratch 2019. For me, my last one, 1989. Ric Flair, Terry Funk. I quit match. I've talked about it plenty of times. Great time wrestling. Go ahead. 
and then I was going to go 84, basically 84 through 86 to me are my three of my favorite years. It would be easy for me to put 87 on there, but I'm not going to because I prefer 89. And you had not only did you have Funk in there, but you had the matches with Flair and Steamboat also. And it's just a fun year of wrestling. 1992 is a great year of wrestling. So I'm going to put that in there as my number five. And I do have to tell you something. There, There's a year that people mention my wrestling, the wrestling that I did, which was far more limited than it was any great thing. But my busiest year that I did as a wrestler was 96 and the beginning of 97. So I didn't get to see a lot of wrestling during that time period. So I didn't really, I missed out on some of it. Hmm. But I have gone back and watched it. And I think those are good years. Good years indeed. All right. So I don't know if we're picking a winner this year. I, I don't think it really matters because we're going to start in 1984. So just thank yeah, everybody. I, for, yeah, I uh, think the winners, to be honest with you, we don't even need to do the 531 countdown. I mm-hmm. think the winners, quite frankly, are us as fans because we have all these years that we enjoyed. And the fact that we have the memories that have been given to us in these years, it's going to lead us into what we're going to start today, going over 1984, and then work out going through other years. And it's going to allow us to do that, having all these years. Let's do it. Some of the front runners from the picks today were like 87, 89, 98, 92. So we're going to cover 2022. Some kids really love that. So what we're going to do is we're going to do 84 today. And we're going to do it for the next two weeks. Today, we'll do like an overview of the year. We'll give you some births, some deaths, some debuts, some memories. And next week, it's going to be the last Friday in November, guys. We'll do fan feedback in 1984 rank. And then as always in December, we do our best of the year. But we'll also do 1985 for the first two weeks of December, kind of following where pro wrestling is going. Because in 1984, the first event I got is Gene Okerlund debuts on commentary with Vince McMahon at a taping of championship wrestling. That's interesting. Do you know now was because I kind of vaguely remember this like was Gene actually doing commentary too? Yes, that he debuted on commentary. I believe he did commentary for like a few events and then almost like Shivani and AEW kind of learned to get some more of that like backstage interviewer where he really excelled. This is a little offset, but I just think it's funny to me. I, I really have gone to really appreciate Mean Gene in my older years. Like I, I always thought he was an interesting character, but seeing how good he was with just those interviews, I heard somebody in the comments recently they were talking about Renee Paquette and how good she was. And I agree, I love Renee. And then somebody was arguing she wasn't good and they were going back and forth. And then someone made the comment, she's the mean gene of our era. And I was like, fuck you. I'm like, there's only one mean gene. Like, no offense, Renee. But like, it's mean Gene Okerlund. Like, he was such a character and he was really just so good. Like, I don't think there's ever been another stick man like Gene. I mean, she might be the Missy Hyatt of our Jeez. generation no no that's okay yeah. Never. <laughs> all right let's move on i want to get missy for an interview love you missy <laughs> dave's gonna enjoy this but the first piper's pit segment yeah. aired with paul orndorff as the guest that was february 4th 1984 that also happened on championship wrestling and yeah. i believe the reason that dave picked today was Hulk Hogan winning the WWF championship (laughs) January 23rd, 1984. 
Really yes. one of many things in 1984 that really changed the business. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think you're going to talk about it later, but there was another Piper's Pit that happened that year, too, that I've referenced oh, yeah. before. It comes a few months later. But uh, Hogan, hearing like Hogan won on an episode of uh, Saturday Morning Wrestling, the world title, it was very intriguing to me because at the time, as a kid, I had only seen like bits of Hulk Hogan like pop up, and I was really starting to find my fandom in pro wrestling, especially WWF at the time. I know Joe's working on a list, but one of the big things in 1984, because you're talking about different shows that changed how I watch wrestling, and to me was the precursor to the Monday Night Wars, was Tuesday Night Titans premiered May 29th of 1984. And that was one of those things where I finally got to see more of the WWE because on Saturday mornings I wasn't watching the WWF. I was right. watching NWA. I had no interest in the WWF. But on Tuesday nights, there was no other wrestling. See, it was interesting because, like, I, you know, I did whatever wrestling was on TV. That's you know, whenever I we found it, I was watching it. But I, I'm still young and I'm not sure when everything's on. And it, it, I never really saw Tuesday Night Titans until afterwards, and I did not like it. <laughs> I'd be like, what the fuck is this? All my wrestling, who's this bullshit? <laughs> All right. Well, we will get to that in a few segments down here. But Dave, by far, what's your favorite wrestling song? Oh, my favorite wrestling song? Oh, Jesus Christ. Well, I'm guessing it's going to be referenced to something in 1984. <laughs> Another one bites the dust. <laughs> no. Well, that, I mean, maybe that, I'm a real American. I was going to oh. say that almost fits, but how about. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Poor David Von Eric. I forgot about this. I looked this up today. Yeah, too, he yeah. passed away in February of 1984. Yeah, found uh. dead in Tokyo. And we were speaking of big title changes in the WWF. Hmm. And February 7th, 1984, Tito Santana won the WWF Intercontinental title long before he was relegated to the spot of a matador. Who did he win Valentine, I believe. Yeah. Now we got what is it? February 15th, David Von Erich's funeral. Yeah. March 11th, though. Carrie Von, Von Erich. Erich. This isn't the title he won, but he no. won the NWA championship from <laughs> Ric Flair in a spot that would have arguably been David's David. had he been alive. Yeah. Because of David dying and winning the belt from Ric Flair, PWI uh, made him actually their most popular wrestler of the year in 1984 because of those events. So that was probably the best year in Kerry's career. Yeah, no doubt. Because as a kid, I remember thinking this guy who beat Ric Flair, I found out about out in Texas. I was like, oh, that must be a big deal. Because I went from that, you know, these NWA guys aren't as good as these WWF guys. But I did realize, oh, Ric Flair does find a way to win a lot. Who's this guy, Kerry Von Eric? He beat Ric Flair. Must be good. <laughs> I know. Yeah, young well, Dave yeah and he did that at the Parade of Champions, which was just a huge yeah. event. Young Dave sitting in front of the TV like, this guy doesn't have a leg to stand on. How's he doing? <laughs> <laughs> now, it's funny that AJ brought up wrestling magazines because what had previously been called Victory Magazine was rebranded WWF Magazine on, I don't have a time, it's March. This was the April-May issue, and this okay. is the inaugural cover with Hulk Hogan with the championship on there. Different yeah, look at that belt. I know, I was about to say, then we're used to seeing him with, and this really, once again, Vince McMahon hammering home that it's a new era. Well, I actually I'm liked that belt. I thought that belt looked amazing. That looked like a championship. I believe Roddy Piper had somebody on WF Magazine uh, on a Piper's Pit segment, or at least claimed to be. I wouldn't be surprised, but that is ah. the next oh. big thing. Yeah. March 28th, 1984, Dave's favorite Piper's yeah. Pit segment of all time, Snooker with the Coconut. 
Well, Snooker oh, was my favorite him with a wrestler. Coconut? I thought that was just a good right hand. <laughs> Snooker was my favorite wrestler. He could fly off the top rope, had incredible leaping ability. I thought that was amazing as a kid. And Piper was just this guy that he was a bad guy. And at the time, I thought Piper was like like Dr. Def David Schultz. There was something the way he carried himself a little scary. Like I was one of the few guys. Now, again, certain guys, Kamala. All right, you know, he had that spear, right? You go stab somebody. You had the Samoans out there eating chickens. Oh, these people, they're nuts, right? But there were certain skinny white dudes like Rowdy Piper and Dr. Dave Schultz, who wasn't really skinny, that were a little scary. I think it's interesting that in that time period, we thought Rowdy was the bad guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's a horrible man. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> now Allegedly. Great people. <laughs> In April of this year, the original oh, yeah. Universal Wrestling Federation is formed in Japan. And oh. ow, ah, god damn, Thor's being a bitch. Thor's <laughs> has got to be live on air. Live on and air. Remember that new part, brother? <laughs> now, in May, starting off the infamous Black Saturday, uh. May of this year, Jack and Jerry Briscoe sell their shares in Georgia Championship Wrestling to Vince McMahon. And if you want to hear two podcasts that cover this in depth, the Laps Fan Podcast did like a four-part series on it that is a deep dive, but a little more comical. And you can also find the Between the Sheets Podcast did a deep dive looking at the Dirt Sheets reporting of it. But very interesting time frame before AJ mentioned. I was going to say, I don't have a vivid memory of it, but I can tell you what I do remember. I had TBS as a kid, and I remember I was always an NWA guy, so I would watch whatever would come on TBS. And a lot of times, Georgia Championship Wrestling would come on, and they had that time slot on TBS. And I remember all of a sudden seeing Vince McMahon and being like, what? (laughs) You were like, wow. These announcers yeah, would, they could kick our guys' ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, the announcer even looks like he's juicing. Um, <laughs> well, that's allegedly. not even then. This is like the start of Black Saturday, like when they set the gears in motion, because this happened in May, and the actual Black Saturday was July 4th. Yeah. But wow. what did we also have? May, as you said earlier, we had Tuesday Night Titans. Cindy yeah, Lauper made event. her... First appearance on Piper's Pit in the same year, May 29th. June 19th was the final television tapings featuring Joe McHugh from the Agricultural Center in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Any classic WWF fan, I think, will remember that title screen, will remember the Joe McHugh entrances, and I think Allentown has almost become infamous since the steroid trial. Well, Allentown was also for years where the Samoans actually lived. When you wanted to train in the Northeast as a wrestler, you would either want to go to Killer Kowalski School in Reading, Mass., You'd want to go to Allentown, Pennsylvania to where um, the Samoans were, or you would want to go to the Monster Factory, which I believe was in New Jersey. But the Samoans were out of Allentown also. I, I just want to cover this for a second, too, because we're about, to, uh, obviously, that's the final episode. So maybe you want to say it first WWS Superstars and Wrestling Challenge. I don't know if you were, were going to like cover I just want to say, like, I remember those like shows so much as a kid because i remember how well lit up everything looked and it wasn't even a situation where like i necessarily like but as a kid i was like wow like my mind was when the crowds looked bigger and i thought it was like just a big type show they were doing and it was like oh a weekly thing 
And, you know, I remember the entrances. I thought everything was just much cooler. I hate to say because I'm not trying to knock All-Star Wrestling, but All-Star Wrestling looked like something filmed in your high school gym and was a second-rate promotion. I mean, second-rate production compared to what you were seeing on Superstars and Challenge afterwards. It's what it was, though. Like, that's what it was. And then Superstars and Challenge was what it was about to be. Challenge was a little darker, but it was still, like, you saw more, like, lights and everything. And, I, you know, it was funny. Superstars was, like, the main show, and there was a lot of big angles. But I actually always kind of like Challenge because I like Gorilla and Bobby. And I don't know. There was just something about Challenge, and I didn't get Challenge all the time. So I think I was more fond of that. And well, that, cha- that change no, in the type of show that you're talking about kind of signified, once again, Vince McMahon going from those old look of wrestling to this new presentation of it. Right. AJ, what were you going to say? No, I was going to say, speaking of great TV shows for wrestling – um, Pro Wrestling USA actually debuted in September in the Mid-South Coliseum. So that was a whole nother level of technology that they were putting together there. Uh, however, it was not necessarily the best technical. It, it literally, if you were wa- if you were watching Superstars and Challenge, you saw the difference when the show came on. Yes, they came true. on and tried to make it look like a big show, but it really did not come across that way. Yeah, in July of this year, Maple Leaf Wrestling was sold to Vince McMahon, opening oh. the way for the WWF into Canada. Interesting. And, well, that I also mean, brought us Jack Tunney. That did, and we talked about it earlier, July 14th, Black Saturday. In August of this year, Vince McMahon purchased Stampede Wrestling. Okay. So now you're, you're purchasing two big Canadian promotions within the same year. You're changing your TV. And this is also supposedly around the time that they're allegedly going broke. Because remember, I imagine, it was, I I imagine this is when we're going to get the Bulldogs and the Hart Foundation and stuff around this time this year. Or Brett and Anvil yeah. will be singles at first, but yeah. Well, they, yeah, they leveraged the British Bulldogs, Neidhart, and Bret Hart around this time, Owen Hart later. When yeah. you say they're going broke, what people don't realize is, is that um, Vince McMahon in this time period was leveraging everything he he literally was pulling money from anywhere he could find money to be able to do this he, this is not billionaire vince this is right. my god where can i get money from and hopefully this works out because if not i'm going broke quickly right. um and luckily for him it seemed to work out okay <laughs> yes yeah now as aj said earlier september 29th of this year pro wrestling usa airs its first show in new york city and pro wrestling usa featured awa as well as nwa affiliates including Crockett. Hmm. and that was a tv program used to combat vince mcmahon growing and pushing into other areas uh, and Pro well, Wrestling USA is where a lot of those um, combo shows that we saw came right. from, where you would see AWA versus NWA, and you would see Mid-South in there, and you would see other local promotions that would join, and their CWA, stuff of that nature, would all come in and work together to try to combat Vince McMahon. Not last long. The last big event I have for this year, on December 28th, Dr. Oh, D, yeah. David Schultz slaps John Stossel, and controversy okay. that lives to this day day and there is a, a guy on uh, one of the stores i deliver bread to he talked to me about wrestling a little bit and he's older he's a little older than us and i remember him he sees me and he goes oh yeah it's dave dr d and he always sees me dr d and he just happened to say it today and i just went by him i went that feel fake to you <laughs> you know because it's still 
it was scary as a kid. Like I heard it as a wrestler. Again, a wrestler that I was scared of smacked this, you know, like newsman. I didn't know what was going on because to me, wrestling was real. Like, oh man, well, an idiot. Like he asked me if it was fake and he got smacked. Well, well no shit. Like, oh, you should have ran. <laughs> you know? But, I, 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 to, I to this day believe in the conspiracy. I think that Vince told him, hey, make them believe it's real. He went out there, did what he did, and then Vince McMahon shit on him afterwards. So, yeah. <laughs> You know, <laughs> even if Vince didn't tell him to, it's, I believe the standard of the time. It's what right. we're told that all the old timers are taught. You know, it's that old school way of thinking. So I'm sure something was said. Who knows what the exact wording was, but the meaning behind it was make it look real, you know, stand up. Yeah. If you remember, Hulk Hogan did actually a similar thing where he actually took a journalist in a headlock. Oh, yeah. Well, it wasn't a journalist. It was a comedian, but it was a comedian on a show, Richard Belzer. Yeah, yeah. and he ended up on, um, what, Law and Order or whatever. But he yes. um, took him in a headlock. You have to protect the business, especially back then. And I have no problem with what Dr. D. David Schultz. No, but I'll just say this too. From a management standpoint, given the time period, I mean, it's pretty classic, simple anyway. Like you, you manage personalities, right? Yeah. Like who would have thought that this was a good idea? Right? Why are, you, why are you putting this guy in that interview? Right. A small <laughs> guy who's volatile and has the balls. He, you know, I'm going to go right now. I'm going to point it. And I don't know, like, <laughs> oh, man, I'm Stossel. Yeah, the, Hopefully uh, John Stossel learned don't act like a tough guy when you're a little bitch. Uh, I don't know. We remember that dark side where he, well, he sounds like he's he's healed now, apparently, from the money. He, he came off. Yeah. yeah but no, He's a douche. Yeah. I do have a big news story that you did not list. Um, And this, to me, is one of the big news stories. And it went hand in hand with Cindy Lauper. Uh, on July 23rd, Wendy Richter actually ended the 28-year reign oh, yeah. of the fabulous Moolah at Madison Square Garden and became the first women's champion in the WWF in uh, 28 years. So that's pretty impressive to end that streak. And that would lead actually to another screw job, almost what the first of the uh, Spider Lady. <laughs> exactly. They brought in Moolah because Moolah was a legitimate tough lady. And they brought her in and had her actually just pin Wendy Richter's shoulders to the mat legitimately. And um, you never saw Wendy again. I was going to ask, is there anything that you guys had memories of of 84 that was not covered in this? Because I kind of went through the big ones, just like the noteworthy things that I saw. I, I could be wrong on this. When I did my research, I believe the original G1 Climax was also in 1984, and that was actually won by Antonio Inoki. That's how I would have to look into that. That could be. It looks like Dave's Googling that currently. The uh, dog in the background is disputing it. Oh, sorry. I'll... I had a thing of 1984 no, stuff that I was just uh, curious about. But yeah, I don't know. I was just uh, checking out some other stuff from 84 here. I was not Googling it. Sorry, guys. <laughs> All right, well, I still... Let me know what you were looking up and I will Google it. One of the great things and one of the feuds of that year, and this is a fun thing, is that's also the year that the Freebirds got into it with the Von Erich. That's where they actually turned and attacked Fritz and Michael Hayes got pissed off about the... It actually... I believe started in 83, but by 84, it was going red hot, and it was just a hell of a feud that year. If you like wrestling feuds, go back and check that out. It's hard to beat the Freebirds versus the Von Erich. So I have a, it's funny, so I had some notes earlier from 1984 that I can't find, and uh, but I, I ran across this site, right, and I just was scrolling, not even really like 
looking and uh what are they, like i don't know I, this is such a fascinating year like right here january 28th 1984 michael hayes defeated ted dibiase for the all japan united national title in athens georgia like just to me like hayes and dibiase are two of my all-time favorites and they were defeat they were wrestling for an all japan title in georgia and like all japan to me is like that mythical promotion i read about in pw insider and that might have been linked to the tour that brought David Von Erich over there. If I'm oh, not wow. Yeah. 1974 was the first G4. So, the uh, G4 so I'm way off. G1, I'm sorry about that. That's amazing that the G1 was 10 years old in 84. I, and we're talking about something that's almost, what, 38 years old this year. Yeah, and I do know Antonio Inoki actually won. He won the um, first one and yeah, this one. And this one. Um, here's um, a couple fun things for you. Andy Kaufman passed away allegedly from cancer that year. Talk about uh, wrestling legends. The feud that he had with Jerry Lawler and Mid-South was obviously a lot of fun. And then we also have, here's some people that actually debuted that year. And maybe we could talk a little bit about them. That year, Jushin Liger debuted. The Great right, Muda, yeah. KJ Muto, actually debuted that year. Scott Hall debuted that year. Hmm. Marty Jannetty and Shawn Michaels actually both debuted that year. Marty did debut before um, Shawn Michaels did. Nikita Koloff debuted that year. Uh, Yoko Zuna. Yoko in 84? Yeah, Yokozuna, 1984. I'm looking at it right here. And then one more for you that you might not actually know, and this is a big one, the Italian Stallion. (laughs) Fuck out of here. (laughs) You had a picture already. I can't believe both of you thought this was fucking... (laughs) I actually had pictures for a lot of people. Let me give you, because I had a list of debuts. I had Fred Ottman. Fred Ottman, yes. Yokozuna. Steve Armstrong. The Undertaker. For sure. Of course, the Italian Stallion. Marty Janetti. Maybe the best Wyndham to have ever lived. Kendall. Kendall. Fuck off. <laughs> Shinya Hashimoto. Hashimoto. I know yes. that. Shawn Michaels. And I had the. Uh, yeah, Noga- Nagami no. also. Akira Nagami also debuted that year. Here's some of the people that actually retired Angelo Mosca. Billy Red Lion. <laughs> Paul Vachon. That's the other one. Okay. Uh, Tommy Gilbert, who actually was still young at that point. Oh, more and famous Miguel, one. And then the father, Miguel Perez, also of the Perez family, actually passed away that year. Had a lovely sweater. His son would have had a lovely sweater he was wearing for every match. Hey, yes. another another death. Vincent J. McMahon died oh. May 24th. Wow. Now, here's the funny thing is he was actually only 69 years old. He hey, looked old. He looked oh, old. You looked old for a long time. <laughs> hey, I just want to say, like, you did some research today, brother. Like, I'm impressed. Like, <laughs> I came in at the last second. I like, I lost my notes. And AJ's like, Nah, Dave, you're the one who's got to pick it up today, brother. <laughs> I'm like, God damn. Well, 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 you know, you know what? One of the most famous Mexican wrestlers of all time, El Santo, actually passed away February mm. 5th of 1984 at the age of 66. Yes, he is I one of the most famous. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now I got some wrestler births for you. January first, Veda Scott. Oh, Veda Scott, thank you. February second, Brian oh. Cage. February seventeenth, Jimmy oh. Jacobs. May seventh, Kevin, Kevin Owens. Steve. Or Steve. Oh, Kevin Owens, yeah. May twenty ninth, Jack. Jack. I like most girls. July thirteenth, Jake Christ. September 3rd, TJ Perry. TJP. You got got some good ones there, but I got a couple to add to that. Corey Graves, February 24th. We've got Orange Cassidy on May 4th. 
Mm. We've got Sami Zayn on July tw- uh, July 12th. And then a big one for you, literally, Nia Jax just uh, on May 29th. He did Nia. He did Nia, though. <laughs> oh, sorry. Did he do Eve Torres in August? Oh, no. yeah. <laughs> I like how Dave came to this boxing match on like unready and me and AJ are like, nah, we're going all 12 rounds. <laughs> oh, by the way, God also gave us a gift that year, Rusev, December 25th. Oh, oh wow. I didn't know he was a Christmas baby. Yes. <laughs> That's, uh, Christmas I didn't want to spoil that one because if you're checking on our YouTube channel, that might be something coming up. Oh, shit. <laughs> now, guys, anything else about 1984 that you want to cover before next week? We're going to get fan feedback because I put out why was 1984? What are some of your favorite memories from 84? And we got answered. We do. Yeah, you're going to have to wait till next <laughs> oh, week. Oh, shit. That. <laughs> Our fans are <laughs> participating. <laughs> and we're going to pair it with 1984 rankings. So we're going to look up the pro wrestling illustrated rankings of that year mm. see what else is out there so i will uh i know aj did retired wrestlers but since everybody wanted to add on something i had actually looked this up and there were just two names i wanted to mention <laughs> one was uh and I, aj might have mentioned this one so i apologize it doesn't count as a retirement if david von eric died okay tim woods tim woods retired that year and then another one people might remember this but we had talked about piper's pit frankie williams retired that year frankie williams was the uh wrestler rowdy piper beat up on piper's pit yes and legit beat him up a little bit by the way roughed him up and got him out of there enough that he retired yeah yeah i've heard i got the fuck out guys this is breaking news john white got this in way too late to be included in our 531 but I asked him last night at work, give me your top five wrestling years and why. Mm. And he like a couple people were like, oh, God, years. I don't know. Let me just figure it out. So he sent me just now, 2002. It was, he says, year Cena, Orton, Ray, Brock debut, etc. That's a big year. Sure. 2012, the year Punk held the world title, the Shield debuted. 2001 was just a wild year. 2014, the streak ended, Brian won oh, the yeah. title, and the Shield disbanded. 1998, Attitude Era began, Austin won first world title, and Rock was getting better. So some more feedback on that and just more reason of more years that we're going to cover down the line because... Can you believe it's been eight years since the streak ended? Yeah, wow. That's pretty wild. The first time it ended. Then you had that other weird loss with Roman that just didn't really fit. Yeah. Well, (laughs) it just logically makes sense. It is kind of interesting. That was the fake retirement. Sorry. It's kind of interesting, though, because the only two guys that ever beat him are basically been the top guys in the business now for the last several years, Roman and so Brock. I guess it did kind of make him a little. If you think Although about Brock it, Brock didn't really need it. It helped. Yeah, Brock didn't need it. I think Roman more than needed it, but I don't know if it counted at the time. I feel like all the goodwill that Roman did was, you know, almost COVID and after. Hey, let's. I want to call one audible here this week. Actually, I want to. I want. There's a oh, particular thing I that love happened. A good audible. 
I want to talk about. I'm just curious. This is fans. You know, let's just, you we're talking about Kendall Ryan getting back in the ring. No, I guest. <laughs> no, we can talk about that. <laughs> um, did you watch first off? I know AJ did. Joe, did you watch Dynamite this week? I did. I watched like the first half. Okay. Did you see the Britt Baker promo? Yes. Or actually, no, I'm, I'm misspeaking. No, I haven't saw it yet. Okay. Because it wasn't loaded up on the app yesterday. Okay. So yeah, I think me and Dave actually agree on this. And this it's one of the few times. It's actually, it's a great fiery promo. But it's one of the first times I'm watching this. It's early in the morning, and I'm listening to it. And I'm like, and she says, you know, you basically along the lines, like, you know, you come in here and you judge me. I never worked at Madison Square Garden, but I worked at Daly's place. I worked there in the pandemic. And that's something you'll never understand when people needed us. I wrote this, Joe, and I watched this. I actually had, I was like, what the fuck? Like, this is the most baby face fucking promo. And I felt like it was almost like, are we trying? I, I've heard people on post talk about it where other places too, where like, you know, this was a baby face promo. They thought, you know, it was a good promo, but also a really bad promo. Me, I almost went a step further. I'm like, are we trying to underline? Like, are we trying to, you know, like make so like, like, you know, okay, yeah, Randy got it too. Like, I, I, I didn't get it. It made me mad a little bit because, like, it, it, the girl's be like a fucking career in a neck injury yeah. and a recovering addict, and it's like we're like, nah, bitch. You heal. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say if Soraya is the bad guy, it's one of the greatest promos I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, it just feels uh, weird. Um, but, for supposed, but considering she came down the aisle with Jamie Hader right after that, <laughs> waving her arms around, and they're all still acting like a heel. Yeah, horrible promo. Um, yes, somebody brought a point that Soraya might have brought some of this on herself because she had mentioned, you know, you weren't ever a superstar, let alone a star. And somebody might now it might have got turned into this like an invasion type thing. I thought they both kind of killed it the week before. And I, I guess I'm reminded of those times, though, in the Attitude Era where like, you know, like Kevin Nash and Scott Hall maybe came to WWF and you got Rock over here who's like, Calling him Razor Ramon, Chico, and going to uh, uh, with the diesel thing. Like he'd just rip into him and they'd rip back into each other. But you knew who the face and you knew who the heels were. Yeah, they're not doing a good job with this at all. Yeah. Uh, so, and uh, I want to point something out. Um, <laughs> I don't think Soraya's is good on the mic without having it scripted out for her. I think, uh, unfortunately, she's one of those people who needs to have Maybe. it scripted, in I, my I, opinion. I'll, I'll tell you what. I, I thought she did a good promo last week. I know, like I said, some people didn't like the you know references, and she forgot a couple things. But it was the most fiery promo she had delivered. And I also want to say she hasn't probably had to do a promo like that in many, well, many she, years. She has the passion for it. I'm not taking away from that. Right. So this is what we're she say. seems to have trouble. She's almost forcing herself to say things. There, Andy Oscar is. He is just so ready for uh, for this weekend. I guess that's something we. I know we're already going, but like. I didn't mean to, but I guess we could talk a little full gear here. Um, yeah, we're only. I was going to say we, we buried the lead because <laughs> Dave talked earlier about falling asleep on the bus to what was it MSG? Yeah, you were listening. <laughs> Let's hope that doesn't happen on the way to to or from the Prudential Center tomorrow because Dave and I will be in attendance for the yeah. post five year anniversary podcast and then ourselves and friend of the show scott will be heading over to the prudential center for full gear and it's been the last thing on my mind all week but let's jump into some of these matches because aj I'll look, or not I'll aj look, randy osga has some hot takes in the comments i'll, I'll look i'll look for you guys on tv yeah <laughs> we got you bro <laughs> 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 
let's talk about some of these matches. What what would you say you're looking forward to the most? And we're gonna say outside of the championship. Oh, uh, okay. Um, that sucks because it was gonna be the championship match. <laughs> yeah. It's the championship I- match for everybody because <laughs> I mean I think Randy Randy might be saying what a lot of us could be thinking. Yeah. This has been an underwhelming build. I would say if I had to pick another match, just based off the the promos, I'm kind of curious how everything's going to go down and how people are going to respond. But uh, Soraya and Britt Baker, like, or and even how this could be a morbid. Britt, Soraya hasn't wrestled in like years. Survive, yeah. And it sounds like I think Brian Alvarez would point out like she found out like she just got cleared. So has she even been able to work out until like what the last week or two? I would like to point out that she went um, over to England and was actually working with her family sure. and was helping them. I don't think her family is going to make her have a waiver to take a bump. No, we don't know. I, I, I have a. I'm optimistic, but it'll be interesting. Um, you say but that, she's fighting with her family. <laughs> Listen to you. But, but here's the funny thing. That's not even the women's match I'm looking the most forward to. I'm actually oh, looking Nia more Jeff forward or... to Jamie Hayter versus Tony Storm. I thought it was going to be Nyla Rose versus, what's her name? Oh, Jade. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I'm looking forward to. <laughs> oh, my God. Is that on the pay-per-view? Yeah. yeah I mean, I'm sure it's going to be on the pre-show. That feels like a pre-show match. Oh, no. <laughs> that's money, baby. That's going to be the pay-per-view. <laughs> Ricky Starks. Well, no, I'm sorry. Whoever wins tonight between Starks or Archer will be uh, wrestling Brian Cage on the pre-show. And apparently now, Ethan Page is wrestling the finals on Dynamite this coming week. So that got moved off. So Ethan Page is not on the pay-per-view anymore. Thank God. So like, what about... Um, this part is building. I'm tired, and I haven't even started driving tomorrow. How about... <laughs> <laughs> right. So I look okay. forward to next Friday doing this show alone, guys. We'll do it <laughs> in the memory of my co-hosts. Uh, I need some graphics Joe. up, and I'll email them to you now. <laughs> so it's called <laughs> Me and, me and, uh, guest, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna have guest Randy Ozga as my new co-host. It'll be fantastic. Dave and I are gonna become angels for real. <laughs> um, what about the situation between Samoa Joe, okay, Wardlow, no, yeah. and uh, that what's feels like name? a pre-show match as well. Well, okay, so we gotta elaborate a little bit because the way it's been built, like Samoa Joe should be a big fucking deal. Hobbs has been all the- of them should be a big deal. And they and all had a momentum at some point. But the way this has been carried out is like Warlow is arguing with Hobbs back and forth. And he's just like, I'm going to take every title. And Joe's like, oh, yeah? And Joe's foul, which sounds funny. But in reality, it's like, all right, next segment. But, but how could Joe react any other way? Right. Well, the yeah. The guy in the ring is saying, I'm going to take every title. And you're sitting there holding a belt. That's, yeah. uh... <laughs> he had a good promo this week, actually. You should check that he one did. out. Yeah. No, yeah. All three of them have had great Actually, I've had good promos. Yeah, that's Hobbs is killing it deal. on the mic. Yeah, why? Uh, why do they not want to use these three? <laughs> is the same problem he has with uh, Brian Cage. Lucha versus Jack Perry in a cage. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, you know I'm what? We don't need the these three studs going. Yeah, we don't need these three studs going at it. We've got Jack Perry and Luchasaurus. You know what? I'm kind of excited for <laughs> Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal versus Sting and Darby Allen. I kind of excited just to see Sting and Jared back in the ring. I know people are going to be like, "What the fuck?" But yeah. I think it's fun. Hey, how about I, I this? don't mind it. Instead of doing the whole Ric Flair's final match pay-per-view, why not put Ric Flair <laughs> in this match in the Derby <laughs> spot and make that his retirement? 
Yeah. And how much better of a send-off is it? So how much it, more does it make sense? Is this the first time in their career that Jeff Jarrett looks more muscular than Sting? <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> Maybe, but is Jeff Jarrett going to jump off the second no. level of this? No, <laughs> probably not. <laughs> <laughs> it's my Tennessee ass. <laughs> I just want to know when Sting actually really went crazy. Oh man! Did, did he drink the same juice that Terry Funk's been drinking? I, you know, I saw a clip of. No, he's living on his own. <laughs> Shout out to the legend. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I yeah, Joe. I, I hope we make it out all right, man. <laughs> I'll tell you what. We're we're giving the fans their money worth today. We're going into overtime for people. You know, it's funny. There was a time. When Joe was such an early bird and like, you know, night was his problem. Now, because Joe likes for 15 minutes in the morning for like time that we leave. <laughs> well, you don't even know what's funny too is that I, so behind a curtain, I got here at 1159 today. <laughs> I had to skip the store. I've been running behind all week. So I have to get up tomorrow, still deliver to two stores now and make it back and be in Jude City for eight. <laughs> so I'm like, ah, whatever. <laughs> Uh, shout out to have you guys had considered having friend of the show scott drive so that's my part yeah. no no i'm joking normally i would be the drive man but i don't have a working vehicle right now that's reliable yeah, i mean i can always drive you guys and wait outside <laughs> randy actually already offered and we're like no thank you we can't have you do that for us it's actually i mean it's gonna be a good time but yeah, yeah. driving home tomorrow night that's gonna be interesting and so I'm i've been shitting early birds so i'm gonna have to oh, let's, early and let's, maybe let me talk about my bowel movements yeah we, we gotta show it to oh, god uh, i think i think it's time we sign off and we can talk about i've been shitting for like three days straight I got some voting AD, but part of me wants to go to movies tomorrow because that was a place in that movie Dogma where they had the uh, that restaurant. It's a that real place. Was not actually where we were looking to possibly go. It was the Quick Stop, actually. That Clerks was the good at. news is because oh, of all. I remember that too. I want to go there and movies. Oh, <laughs> I movies. I thought there wasn't a movies in the area. No, no, they're all near each other. Oh, okay. but the good news is, due to Dave's bowel movements, you guys will have to stop so frequently. You won't have time to fall asleep. Yeah, I've been good today. That emodium made D were emodium. <laughs> Looks like a motherfucker. Hey, guys, they say that we're so much of the shit that you got to wipe twice. We'll see you <laughs> next week. We want to take a minute to thank our newest sponsor on the show, 482 Designs. That is F-O-U-R, the number is 82 Designs, 482 Designs. You can find them on Facebook by looking up F-O-U-R, 82 Designs, at F-O-U-R-8-2 Designs on Instagram. And if you want to email them, go to F-O-U-R-8-2 Designs at gmail.com. Pretty soon, we're going to be rolling out some high-quality T-shirts and stickers that were just done by the sponsor. Please check them out for any of your screen printing needs. First off, it's light years better than our first run. Also, we survived the washer and dryer. They look good, and they're good quality. Nice. And those stickers before Paco chewed them up were amazing. And luckily, we'll be getting some more in, hopefully, before we start selling them to fans. But that's F-O-U-R-8-2 Designs. All right, everybody. We are live with the Working Fans Podcast. Today, we got a special guest, a man who started his wrestling career in 2007, a guy who's also the New York City Big Apple Award Teacher of the Year in 2020. He's the shot caller, Pedro Dones. Pedro, how are you? Hey, man, called Dave. Thanks for having me. Ah. Appreciate it. This is awesome. 
Awesome, man. Thanks for coming on. So we'll start off like right in the beginning. Like, who were you a fan of in pro wrestling growing up? Oh, man, Hulk Hogan. It's the easiest question. You can throw me an underhand softball. <laughs> you were Hulk- okay, so you were Hogan. Who got you into wrestling then? You know, I, I can't say I remember. Mm-hmm. It's funny because I got people who were like, oh, I watched with my grandma. I watched with my grandfather. I just know growing up, I didn't have cable. Right. You know, we, I, the joke I like to make is my TV has, has two channels, on and off. <laughs> but I remember that every Saturday and Sunday on Channel 5, it was Superstars. Yeah. And I, it was Superstars and American Gladiators after Saturday morning cartoons. And then I knew my weekend was over when a match started playing. Because like, all right, when I want to watch anything after this. Well, my dad definitely took me to the garden quite a few times. And I would definitely, as I got older, went to the video store, got whatever they had. I remember that walk. I remember crossing my fingers, hoping they'd have a pay-per-view. Because I knew I'd, I could watch three hours of wrestling. Yeah. Instead of like an hour. I'll never forget one time we went and i don't know renting a renting a tape was like four dollars let's say it was four bucks mm-hmm. every friday we went nice long walk and one time they had WrestleMania four it was a oh, double yeah. double tape and it was like eight dollars and i'm looking at my mother I'm like i got you gotta rent this you got it and she did and i, I watched it from beginning to end my dad had this little two-in-one because they were not letting me watch in the living room that wasn't happening <laughs> They had like a two-in-one TV with the VCR, and then and, and it was like a nine-inch screen, and I watched it. I, I just there's just something about wrestling that encapsulated and just invigorated my creativity, and just I mean, I'm a I'm a I'm gonna be 40 in a month, and I've been a fan since I was I don't know four or five years old. So I don't know, man. I don't think I'm, I think I'll be a fan forever. So that's uh, if I ever had to pinpoint it, it definitely was my dad being like, hey, you like wrestling, man? Screw it. Let's go. <laughs> go to the garden. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I can relate to that. Now, at some point, you decided to break in in 2007. What was that? What was the decision process like? And how did you get started? All right. So I, I worked for the phone company. I, I graduated high school in 2000, went to college, minding my own business. And a buddy of mine, you know, this is back, you know, ugh, when I aged myself. It was, you didn't buy tickets online. You bought tickets over the phone. Picked up the phone, waited on hold for three, four hours. I worked at a phone company. You're not going to believe this, but I had some phone numbers. Yeah. And a buddy of my mind was like, hey, you want to go to WrestleMania? It was WrestleMania 22 in Chicago. And I was like, I really haven't really left the New York area. He's like, hey, I'll buy the tickets, you know, pay me back. And I was like, all right, cool. Went to Chicago, saw WrestleMania, thought it was cool. Don't remember much from it. It was a good WrestleMania, whatever. It was the last, actually, I like to say it was the last WrestleMania in a small arena mm-hmm. because after that it was in stadium. Right. So it was like in Roseland or Rose, like I don't remember exactly. It was like 16,000 people. And then the following year, he's like, hey, you want to go again? It's in Detroit. So in my mind, I was like, well, I'm going to WrestleMania as a fan. I don't care anybody watching this, call me a Mark. I'm handsome. You can call me a Mark. I'm handsome. Like, I'm, you know, very well off. But yeah, I'm a Mark. I went to WrestleMania. But the Detroit one was an event fireworks it was the donald trump one where they threw money from the ceiling and, and honestly i don't remember any of the matches i just remember the fireworks and the and the, the roar of the crowd and and i went i went to my hotel room that day and i said i gotta do this and and again small world my my buddy was friends at the time with prince nana who's on aew nana's a gleason's johnny rod's guy very good guy and he always told me again word of mouth the school in brooklyn it's on front street people watching this there was no google maps there was no ways there was no <laughs> you just had to have someone. If my friend didn't know where this random wrestling school, 
went down there and I met Johnny Rods and and the rest is as they say is 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 history. Started training, took my few, first few bumps. I remember my first bump, our first day. The guy was like, "Hey, make him take a bump." He was like, "It's his first day." He's like, "Just gotta learn somehow." Pop, two hands to the chest, took that bump, and been bumping ever since. Funny that butterfly effect, especially back then, right? You just that one person you know and that one event, and it just all leads to this. And this is the thing that's unfortunate about this generation is that. The FOMO is real. You always wonder about what's next or what's that. For me, it was one line. I was like, I'm going to go tomorrow. I'm going to sign up. You tell me how much it was. I was like, I'm going to come back another day with money. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it wasn't, it wasn't what it was today. So just an interesting turn of events, as they say. But yeah, it was definitely like, I'm going to do this. And I needed to know someone to help me with it. Yeah. It was, it's like just knowing the right people sometimes, right time. Yeah. And then the rest is the work. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. At some point, you decided you were going to be a school teacher too. Is that? Did you have the degree beforehand? Did you go in the middle of your career? How did that end up? Well, I was working full time while going to school full time, and I finished in 2006. And I was like, ah, I got all this free time. It's going to be awesome. I was so bored. So bored. Lasted 10 months. Started wrestling, and then I was just time for me to, to finish. And I had a some people, a couple of people, were like, hey man, you may you know, be a school teacher. And I was like, oh, a school teacher. So I started out as a substitute. I applied to some programs that I was sure I was going to get into. Newsflash, I didn't get into them. Mm. I was back to the drawing board and I was substitute teaching and I wasn't making a lot of money, but I found that I was really enjoyed working with kids, being able to mold their mind and, and things of that nature. And, and being a teacher in wrestling kind of works because of the time that you're allotted. You know, I, I, I've been really fortunate to not ever get injured or anything like that, but you know, the summers, the, the, the benefits, you know, can't shit it. Hey, out there, you're wrestling. I have some health insurance. And I started teaching in March 2008. So it's about, it'll be 15 years this coming March. It's been a journey. It's been fun. So you've been teaching about as long as you've been pro wrestling then, roughly? Uh, Well, you know, the difference is when I was teaching, I'm booked every day. Right. (laughs) As a wrestler, you got some dry spots. You got some dry Mm -hmm. spots. There was a couple of years there. I didn't wrestle those. I I took about a two, two and a half, three year break. And sometimes Mm -hmm. you take a break in wrestling, it's not through your own volition. It's kind of the break is kind of called for you so that's what i was working with and i didn't wrestle i didn't wrestle from i want to say march 2016 maybe till about spring 2019 yeah i didn't wrestle for like three years anything no shows no bookings nothing for about three years like you said being 40 you know where i'm 45 do you train (laughs) do you train differently now though like do you like you have a different you know kind of regiment did you do now supposed to like when you started i imagine you would yeah so i still train i train with damian adams i don't i I do the wrestling training i keep on my timing as he told us one time with a sorak he was like your timing is the first to go because i'm I'm very happy to be very in tune with my body. I know when I got to go in the ring. I know when I got to go sweat for four or five hours. I, I don't disrespect the profession with regards to training. I don't want to curtail it. Anyone out there that might be listening saying this guy, oh, this guy just trying to make excuses to not not train. But, you know, I, I am going to be 40. I have to take care of my body differently. You know, one of the things that goes when you get older is your recovery. Something as simple as a scrape that 20 years ago would have been gone in two days is a scar now because your skin heals differently. So when I'm in the gym, I definitely am, I'm not ego lifting. I don't lift heavy. I lift light, go for reps. I kind of go through the flow. I was like, what's my body feeling today? My body want to do chest, my body want to do lower body. I I lift at least three times a week. My diet is a lot different. I intermittent fast. I have days where I want to eat, you know? The other day I went to a establishment that had beverages, the uh, adult variety. 
and wings and bread pudding. Uh, yeah. I partook in all those endeavors. They had the finest meats and cheeses. And I, I went to town. And then for two days, I was like, I'm going to drink water and eat tuna because of the recovery process. So a lot of it is based on recovery, you know, and, I, and anyone out there, like, you know, invest in your body. You know, I, I spent a lot of years spending money on like sneakers and clothes, things that I like. And I still like those things. But now it's like, I'm going to get a massage. I'm going to buy this supplement. I'm going to go food shopping a little cleaner and invest in that. But definitely the training regimen is changing. Lifting a lot, 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 not as heavy. I'm in the best shape of my life, I'm proud to say. And I'll be at the gym sometimes and these 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 kids will come up to me. And I say kids and they're in their 20s. And I'll go to the dumbbell rack and they're expecting me to pick up like 60s and 70s and 80s and 90s. And I pick up 25s. And they're looking at me like, hey, man, I got to be able to, I got to be able to lift tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So yeah, definitely change it up from like the, you know, squats and you got to do all this big stuff. Like that's just what works for me. It's as cliche as it sounds. You got to find what works for you. And that's what's worked for me. It seems like from talking to you, you can have the confidence to carry yourself, but it also seems like in the right times, you know, to check that ego at the door, like, Hey, I don't need to do this. Was that always the case? Or did you have to learn that lesson? Or, you know, was it like anything with reps or? You get humbled in different ways. Mm -hmm. You know, you get humbled in teaching, you get humbled by kids, you get humbled by, I have two small kids. I have a seven-year-old and a four-year-old. Let me tell you something. You got kids, man. No one reminds you that you ain't poop. I don't want to curse. You, you ain't you ain't nothing. Like a four-year-old screaming in your face for 20 minutes because mm-hmm. he doesn't want to put his underwear on the right way. And you look at yourself and you're like, I used to be cool. <laughs> I, used, I used to call the shots. I'm not the shot caller here. That's what allows me to be a killer in the ring. You know, I've been been very fortunate to have that other side, my id, Freudian, the deep inside you, allowed to be unleashed in the ring. And unleashed is the proper word. The opportunities I've been given this past less than a calendar year. I've worked more in the last year than I probably did the previous four or five. And that's because someone finally believes in you. And then you learn that when someone believes in you, it's not just about, you know, that chip on your shoulder is not, I deserve this. It's like, no, no, someone's giving you a chance. What are you going to do with this? How are you going to use this opportunity not just to make yourself better, but other people better? And that's true growth and true learning. A lot of people think they're, they, you know, it's their old stuff, but a little cliche or a little thing. I like, I was like, I tell people, so like, you know, hard work doesn't mean crap, especially in wrestling, especially in wrestling, because it's not always fair. It's just not. It's just, you know, if tomorrow John Cena was like, I want to headline WrestleMania. Right. It doesn't matter if you've been working 300 days a year. John Cena's going to headline WrestleMania. What are you going to do with it? Are you, are you on the card? Are you wrestling third? Well, you're wrestling third in front of 80,000 people. So let's check our egos at the door. Let's go out there and put the best performance possible and then and then walk out the door and, and freaking give John Cena a high five in the way. Thanks for the house, bro. Mm-hmm. You know? But yeah, definitely in the last year, I've been very much to been very privy to opportunities that have allowed me to go listen you know sometimes people just like you because of the person you are and don't let that get to your head and if it gets to your head surround yourself with people and be like hey you know you you should do this like i got a a good collection of people who tell me hey pedro you know your time is off you should go to training that match wasn't that great you look sluggish and then you those people you respect you don't take it personal you go you're right man thanks for thank you thank you thank you for taking time out of your day to make my day better those are the kind of people you want to surround yourself. That comes with experience and, 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 and being humble. Absolutely. Yeah, we got to say it at my house, too. It's like, if we like you, we're going to take the time to tell you when you're doing wrong. <laughs> you yeah. Know? If we don't like you, we might just go, yeah, you're great. Just, you know? yeah, that works in teaching, too. I build yeah. really strong relationships with my kids. I, like the, I said, the worst thing Mr. Donuts can do is just treat you right. And like, what do you mean? I was like, I'll teach you. I'll take care of you. I said, but all that extra stuff that comes with being a human, if you don't respect the space that we've built here, then I'm always going to take care of you. But I may not teach you how to take care of yourself. And that comes with respect and, and, and collaborating and just building, you know, 
environments of rapport and respect. And that goes in wrestling too. There's stuff I know, there's stuff I, there's guys who are half my age that have had tryouts, that have had matches on grander scales. I'll listen to them, but they'll come to me for advice on other stuff because they will be 40 and just know things. Right. Something as simple as how do you look that good at 40? Like don't smoke cigarettes. They just supposed to work for me, work out, sleep, buy a good mattress, you know, things like that, that you may not necessarily find in a book. Life experience. Life experience, yes. Yeah. Obviously, all that time in teaching, like you're saying, so I'd imagine that really helps you then in the locker room, like what you're saying. So that's basically you're able, especially a lot of younger people, you're able to put some of this wisdom. And I'd imagine teaching probably also maybe helps with promos to a point, right? You're communicating every day. <laughs> Teaching's a promo, man. Every yeah. day I'm cutting a promo on kids. Like the other day, they, you know, they're kids. We're paying, I was like, you know what? I'm going to stop and I'm going to look at that pipe because no people aren't listening to me and I'm handsome and things I have to say are important. And just like this. They were like, did he just say it? I was like, hey, dad, yeah, I'm not going to yell. I'm not going to raise my voice. I'm not going to yell at you, you know? So being able to deliver and communicate and choose your language wisely and engage people and, and involve people in the process. Sometimes when people ask for advice, they get spoken to as opposed to spoken with, you know? It's a conversation about what happens next and what's best for them. And being okay with people listening to you and being not necessarily agreeing and, 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 and doing it their way and sometimes being blunt. I've told a couple of guys what I think to my mind straight up. I had a friend years and years ago tell me straight up. He was like, you want me to tell you what you want to, do you want me to tell you what I think or you want me to tell you what you want to hear? And I said, can you tell me both? And he goes, no. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you have to have that line of demarcation with what you're going to give somebody. But um, yeah, I've been very, very fortunate and humbled and honored to have people in the locker room. Again, you know, a few years ago, I wasn't doing anything. And now people are coming to me. And it's not just because of my perceived wrestling acumen. It's just the ability to communicate and, and compare things to things that they'll understand. Speaking in metaphors and, 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 and real life experiences. Yeah, that communication, I think for anybody listening, I think we would agree that's such a big tool in almost anything you do. Yeah. Now, do you have, I mean, family, school teaching, wrestling, you got to stay busy. Is there anything else you're doing too? I'm just curious. I would think that's enough. But You know, I'm taking up crocheting. I'm just kidding. Wrestling, you know, being a dad. Yeah. You know, their mom also is a professional wrestler, Tina San Antonio. She's fantastic. She's a great role model. You know, mother of two kids out there kicking ass. And we've definitely found time to balance our careers. You know, she's got her career. She's actually performing tonight. She's all over the place. And when I got shows, she has shows. My mother and my father and even my brother, they, they without them, we couldn't do any of these things. You know, we tagging grandma. We pick up the bat phone. You know, my mother's a saint. And my dad, they meet my brother yesterday. I, I, need a couple, I need to go to the gym. Okay, man, can you pull up and watch the kids for a couple hours? And he did. So they allowed me to have that extension. At school, I'm also a master teacher and the head of the math department. So I'm also coaching at school and helping other teachers, be, you know, improve their craft. I think that the the timing thing is funny. Like, you know what I do? Like, I don't watch TV. I don't watch any. Like, I watch wrestling or, or YouTube clips about sneakers. I like sneakers. Like, I don't play PlayStation. And, I, and, and not that there's anything. I love my PlayStation. Like, she's still downstairs collecting a little bit of dust but there's just certain things like oh did you watch this show i'm like no because i i can't commit the hour to watch that because i gotta go to the gym or i gotta read a book to my kids or i gotta go plan a, a lesson but needless to say i keep myself busy but busy keeps me alive yeah it's a great way of wording that yeah yeah busy keeps uh, me alive so obviously you took the next question balancing time but i guess the way you answer that too is what really has been a big help for you too is just having a great base like a great support system like you feel i'm guessing you're very fortunate to have that 
Yeah, I don't take it for granted. I know it could be gone in an instant. Lord knows that we've seen tremendous loss and trauma the last few years. So now that I've I've, I've been given this ability, what am I going to do with it? You know, I'll go I'll go to a show that's that's definitely going to be something that's going to add joy to my life. What's going to bring me joy? Going to a certain show, you know, taking a professional development, sitting down with my kids for a few hours, you know, just playing on our tablets, eating candy, going to going to the park. So if I'm allowed that time because of my support system, what will I do with that time? Now, guess what? There might be days where I just want to sit on my couch and watch RoboCop for the 500th time. This movie of all of cinema. But those are the decisions I'm making because one day they might not be there. My mother's not going to be young forever. My father's not going to be young for, you know, they're 65 and another 60 and 59 and 66. So they're still salient and coherent. And, but, you know, things happen. So while things are okay, I'm going to maximize it. Absolutely. Two more questions because, you know, we've been so gracious with your time. The teaching. You got the award, I noticed, in 2020 during the pandemic. Tell me a little bit about that. Like, what was the criteria and how did that all come about? So there's 80,000 teachers in the Department of Education. You can recommend any teacher for what's called the Big Apple Awards, which is kind of like the Grammys of teaching. Mm. They pick anywhere between 18 and 20 teachers. It's a cohort. I actually was a finalist before schools closed down. So March comes and I got observed. And usually when a teacher gets observed, it's like 15 minutes. Lady was there for four hours. She was like, listen, man, like you can tell it's not, you know, you're doing it. And it was very humbling because I was just, you know, I was with my co-teacher, Ms. Morin, who's fantastic. And um, I was just teaching kids with, you know, there's certain moments where, you know, you talk about communication. I remember this one time I had this one kid, Jay, Napoleon Complex, four feet tall. I wouldn't know about that. I'm five, five on stilts, jumping up and down. And I was very gruff. Maybe like, you got to be a man. Oh, that was my, that was my, I've, I've evolved. And I remember he left the class for some reason. And I called his name a few times. And I told this friend, Brian, I was like, you better get, you better tell him, get his butt back here. And that boy walked in that room, that young man. And I looked at him and I was like, he doesn't need smoke right now. He came back. Mm-hmm. And I looked at him and I said, Jay, why are you playing me like that, bro? How are you going to do that to me, man? And it guard came down oh, i was like yeah, man but you know i never do that let's talk about it bro let's talk about it like i would have been any other adult just yelling at him and that wasn't the case and this is i don't even remember what, where i was in the award process and we get sent home i think they forget about me my co-teacher comes out with covid she's on a ventilator for six weeks and i'm like i remember one of the last i told her i was like i'm gonna teach on on instagram live and, and youtube she's like no now's not the time to go rogue i was like now's a perfect time to go rogue did you watch superhero movies this is when batman comes out mm-hmm <laughs> And I, I started a YouTube channel because I had kids, you know, I had a couple of kids and I've told the story before where like some kids were handing in their work like at one o'clock in the morning. And the one girl was like, I don't have internet. I use my mom's phone. Great A student. So we sent kids home with workbooks and laptops. We're like, figure it out, bro. So I was like, I can't teach live and mark her absent when her mother's a nurse. At the time I was portraying this Russian character called the big action. He had a talk like Johnny Rods, talk like this, baby. Had a nice purple suit, the sequins, the braids, the gold teeth. Oh, he missed the nice. And I sent out a poll and I was like, you guys want to see Mr. Donuts teach or you want to see the big action teach? 88% said, I don't know how to get 90%, but that's neither here nor there. And cut a few videos as him. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a process where I would develop my videos. A lot of it was like, I mean, you're talking like caveman stuff. If, if, I, if I told someone who edits videos the stuff I did, they'd look at me and be like, yo, so what was it like discovering fire, bro? And knowing that the wheel turned, like that stuff like that. There's a wrestler named Bobby Orlando. He's our mom. Fantastic. He helped me with one of my videos and I was very, very grateful to him. He helped me like splice this video. And I know I didn't give him the easiest canvas, little green screen. He was like, it wasn't easy, but I'll do it for you. And he did that for me. He didn't have to do that. Stuff like that is very humbling, you know? The shot caller will still beat him in the ring. The shot callers, me and the shot caller are different people. You're talking to Pedro right now. Pedro was very grateful for that. And then 
got a little exposure, got a little bit, got on the news, started doing, started talking about the human aspect of teaching, and one thing led to another. And last day of the school year, I got, uh, I got selected, and it was, it was very humbling. You know, nineteen out of eighty thousand, like zero point zero zero two percent, something outrageous. Mm -hmm. And I, I was given a platform, and I continued to try to ask myself how I can leverage that. You know, once you win an award, people will make jokes, like, oh, how long you gonna hold that over your head? I'm like, I'm sorry, bro. When was the last time you were anything of the year? Mm. I could say it from an arrogant standpoint, or I could say it from, listen, I have a voice and I want to maximize it and speak for the, what's a uh, kill switch engage. I want to be the voice of the voiceless, a little Jesse Leach there for you. But uh, yeah, that's, that's how it went down, man. It was pretty sweet. That's awesome, man. Uh, two, two more questions. Beyond wrestling in particular, how has that company been working for you? Cause I've seen you on those shows a couple of times. I cannot stress how grateful I am for the opportunities that Beyond and Wrestling Open have given me. Like I said, I've worked more dates in the last year than I probably did the previous 10. And I'm not exaggerating. And you have guys like Drew and Paul and, and the, the locker room and, and guys that want to see each other succeed. And here I come, you know, this old fogey, <laughs> you know, and, and they saw something in me. And sometimes that's all you need. And that's why I love teaching. Kids just need you to see something in them. Mm. And here these, these people came and they were like, yo, you got something. What about this? What about that? Now, again, you got people who have a belief in you, who have a vision, and you have to be open-minded and trust what they trust their process because they're trusting you. And I've been very fortunate to be given one of the many balls. You know, it's not one ball, many balls and in in being juggled in the world of wrestling. And I have one of those and I get to be juggled in it. And I've always just wanted to be a part of the show. And I've been very fortunate to be an integral part of the show as, as much as other people are. And to be on that platform, be handed that platform. Hey, we're going to go wrestle. We're going to put you on our YouTube as, over, you know, millions of followers. We're going to retweet you. We have thousands and thousands of followers. We're going to give you the microphone every week. Every week I get the mic and I get to tell people how I feel. I get to tell people what they, they don't know they feel yet. And I get to interact with these people and I get an opportunity to, to, to show them the other side of Pedro Donis. As I tell the kids, I was like, you know, you got Mr. Nice. You got Mr. Not Nice. And Mr. Not Nice gets to come out. Beyond is an amazing platform. You're talking about one of the top indies, independent wrestling. I hate just indies. We're independents. One of the top independents. You know, they never called it indie baseball, right? There's all, there, you play for the right. independents. You know, Dal Strawberry was an independent, the, the, the Ducks. He wasn't in the indies. We're an independent. One of the top independent wrestling platforms in the in the world today. And to be able to have a, a role in that has been incredibly humbling. And I don't plan on, I don't plan on, losing my spot anytime soon they keep giving me the ball i'm gonna keep running with it i think it's like 3.5 million youtube followers too they have right now so it's the worst worst math teacher ever <laughs> <laughs> it's a heck of a bro it's a heck of a platform like you said though yeah well if you could just stay on with me for a little bit but we're good the kids are quiet <laughs> nothing's breaking no one's no one's crying yeah, we're good. Well, I'll just tell you what, why we just, anything you want to promote, Twitter, Instagram, matches coming up, anything you want to talk about. Listen, wrestling open every Thursday forever, the White Eagle, Worcester, Massachusetts. You want to see the best up and coming talent the independents have to offer. $10. Yeah. Man, if I knew there was an independent wrestling show that was $10 a week, I would have I would have been spending all my allowance on it. We got Restable coming up. We have, you know what, let me give me one moment because I, I don't so. want to. There we go. The the Autumn Classic next Thursday on Thanksgiving Wrestling Open presents the Autumn Classic. We've been running every last Thursday on a Thursday night, hmm. three hundred plus people. Yeah. In the White Eagle. I had I think parent teacher conference or something that did not allow me to to be there, but I was happy for my friends. I was happy. 
that they were there. So every Thursday forever, we got Motherload coming up, Beyond Wrestling, at the end of, the, uh, I think, uh, November 27th. I may or may not be there, but you know what? Even if I'm not, there's going to be an extreme amount of talent. And Restival at the end of December. Restival is, oof, nine shows, three days. Right. Wrestling going to be falling out of your ears. It, it, it is a great time to be alive and love independent wrestling. Beyond is a great experience. Been there myself. It's like a it's a wrestling show, but it's like a rock concert atmosphere. You're standing up. You're right close to the ring. People are partying. It's it's a pretty cool thing. Have you been there on Thursday and seen the shot call in action? I have not yet. Uh, we will work on that though. So, uh, I'm, 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 as nice as I am, I'll tell you right now, I'm a killer. I believe that. <laughs> <laughs> I want to thank you for your time and Orca Fans Podcast. Check out Pedro Jones at Beyond Wrestling Wrestling Open and just look out for him, man, because this guy's the yeah. shot caller. Yeah, I think you got the, you know, follow me on Instagram, help the algorithm, donut underscore, the shot caller. And then I think on Twitter, because you have a character limit, because it's 2022, why would we have that? Donut <laughs> underscore, the shot caller. And Amazon Wishlist is up there. Help these kids out. You know, yeah. I appreciate it. All right, so that wraps us up for this week. Thank you again for listening to the Working Fans Podcast. So as always, you can find us on Twitter at Fans Working. Our Facebook page is Working Fans Wrestling Pod. We have email where you can reach out to us and let us know what you think also. That's Working Fans Wrestling Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, Working Fans Wrestling underscore pod. And then as always, please continue to listen to us on Anchor.fm. Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, all your major platforms. If you're following us on Apple Podcasts, which we are also on now, and YouTube, please make sure you subscribe and give us a five-star rating. It helps us bring you these podcasts where we get to talk to you and talk with you every week. 